0: is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio Streaming live on
1: the Seattle Sports app and at
2: Seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. We've got Mean Text coming up at 545 today, so you've got plenty of time to get creative with your Mean Text, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. So Get to work on those or otherwise leftco is going to jump on the air and start calling you dumb, and nobody wants that. Nobody wins there, right, Lefko?
1: Yeah, well, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's it's going to happen?
2: <laughs> you you anticipate you're going to be calling I, them dumb? I anticipate it's going to happen. Okay, so. all right. Well, we'll see if we can avoid that for him. We don't need them to take any uh, unnecessary abuse. But uh, we'll do that at 545. But time to get into what we call best of the rest.
3: We know you love listening to us, but there are great discussions happening all over our station. I need more Jake Bobo. I need more of them.
4: Because Jake Bobo is objectively fun to say. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> not good at best. Let's turn it down. It's time for The
1: Best of the Rest. How dare you?
2: <laughs> it is time for Best of the Rest. We take a listen to some of the conversations happening on the other shows around the station and uh, respond accordingly, Dave. And uh, we start with Uh, Bump and Stacy on Wednesday, they were analyzing what the Seahawks, in their opinion, can learn from this Chiefs defense.
4: The Chiefs from 2019, when they had a defense that was allowing among the most yards in football, have since then built an elite defense that has helped them get back to a Super Bowl in a year where their offense has scored the fewest points per game since 2014. Yes, long before Patrick Mahomes was actually there. That defense is why they're in the Super Bowl.
3: You get into the playoffs and Pat Mahomes... Is playing better. The receivers are catching the football. But the main thing that's been consistent is this defense, right? Now, we live in an age where I don't think people. Really walk around or go around saying defense wins championships the way that it used to. No, not the way anymore. it did in the early 2000s and the 90s and the 80s, where defenses can really dominate a game physically by doing some dirty stuff and taking guys' head across the middle. It's just different now. A good defense, if you have a superstar quarterback, is good enough for you guys to make a run. If you get into the playoffs and you protect the football the way that Pat Mahomes has is not throwing an interception.
4: Well, and it's fun to see them make a transformation using uh, picks type the types of capital that would be at Seattle's disposals. There's this natural inclination to go, Well, how can they really turn that defense around when they aren't working with the same draft capital? Well, wait a minute. Nor have the Chiefs. When you want to talk about teams that have won a ton over the last couple years, Mm -hmm. Kansas City tops that list. And you know how they built out this defense? Yes, you have Trent McDuffie as a first-round pick. Granted, pick number 21 overall out of Washington. Go dogs! But you also have Lejarius Sneed, who's leading them in passes defense this year. He was a fourth-round pick uh, back in 2020. So, again, like they're making moves that the Seahawks can realistically make.
2: What do you think, Dave? That's something they could easily mimic? Uh,
0: well, look, I'll say this. I think, I don't think John Schneider had as much freedom to pick players as we might think.
2: As Andy Reid does with the Chiefs.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Belichick and, you know, some of the the other guys. But I, I think, I think that's been kind of a, you know, and it was really a wonderful relationship between John and Pete. but. I think I'll be very interested to see, and I think I get the sense over the last couple years it's been much more his stamp on on the team. But I'll be very interested this year just to see how that goes. But Stacey's right. Uh, If you go, that's the only way to the only way to compare what somebody's draft looks like is to go and look at the rest of the NFL. You know, and what you can go through everybody's draft. If you go and look at, you know, the New England Patriots all time draft and you go back and look, and there's, you know, failure, never heard of him, guy never made it. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. But also, especially, and she was talking about Kansas City is one of those teams like Baltimore, like the Patriots used to be, uh, Green Bay, the Seahawks. They're perennial playoff teams, mm-hmm. so you're you know you're out of the top fifteen, really. I mean, you're out of the top twenty even. So, yeah, I think it's it, it makes it much more difficult to to do that. Um, and the the Seahawks have been in that that category for a long time, and that you know and it has a lot to do with Pete because of uh, his fourteen year tenure here. But I th- I think it, just that one thing stood out to me that she said I thought that was interesting because I don't think people think about that a lot especially when you have a gm who thinks that there's probably 10 or 12 every year there's 10 or 12 first round draft choices yeah yeah there's not there's not 32 there's you know and sometimes it's more and i think i think this year <laughs> obviously they, they they thought there was at least 20 right because they took jsn at right 20. yeah
2: yeah it's it's you know, and I don't. I don't know that any of us truly know what the power dynamic was between John and Pete. You know who we know the the final decision rested with Pete. I think that that part was clear. But you know how much give and take was there? If John was, I don't know. If John was adamant, Pete, I love this guy. This is our guy. This is the the linebacker we need, or whatever, whatever position. It was Pete. All right, you know, let's let's hear it. Let's talk about it. Let's hash it out. Or nope, sorry man, I want to go this direction. Mm. I, I'm curious how that dynamic worked, and it obviously it worked very well. Nothing lasts 14 years in this league yeah. if it's not working. So, well, and
0: they've been to the play. We went to the playoffs 10 times. Yeah,
2: right? yeah. So obviously so. they they had it down to a science. It doesn't mean they didn't disagree and yeah. you know debate. But I'm just be interesting to know. You know, all right, how different might it look in this draft? Like what what was it like before versus now? Is it John just? i'm certainly seeking counsel from his coaches and his scouts and tell me about this guy and coaches you know, mike mcdonald what do you think of this guy he's gonna he's not just gonna sit there by himself in a room and going i'm making every pick and it's gonna be this guy this guy and this guy and you guys just be happy with it yeah. you know so it's it, but i i feel like you're right that we might see there might be something different about it and it's hard to put your finger on what you know what that will be is it is it going to be you know some of those picks that we thought were kind of like lj Collier huh Okay, or you know names you just didn't expect it. Carpenter, who's Carpenter? James Carpenter? His coach didn't know who he was. Yeah, you know no. there were those moments. You know, is that was that kind of a Pete thing? Was that a John thing? I don't know. Who's the other guy? A Fetty, Jermaine Fetty. Yeah, I th- I felt like those three guys that you just mentioned were all
0: need. You yeah. know, like a, we need we need a roster spot here, or we need to fill out our D line. Uh, yeah, so I, I I yeah nobody knows nobody knows but. It is it is interesting, you know, looking at it from the, the perspective of what what Stacy was talking about that, you know, you do have to take that into account. And and it's difficult, man, because, you know, the the, the draft punishes you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I kinda like that about the draft. And you look at like the Houston Texans. I mean, they get two of the top three while they traded up and all that, but still, uh, you know, you got you got a couple of good picks there that took you to now. I don't think they had the defensive player of the year like everybody else does. Uh, rookie of the year, I should yeah. say. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you got a couple of really good picks there. And now uh, you know now they're going to be picking down near the bottom. Uh,
2: all right, this next one is from Brock and Salk yesterday, and they were talking baseball, and they were they were talking about how how they think Scott Service handles the first meeting of spring training.
1: If the Mariners don't do anything else between now and, you know, the start of spring training, which is likely. How would you handle it if you were Scott? Like, what does that first meeting look like? How would you address everything that went on
0: at the end of last year in a group setting? Mm -hmm. Because... You know, regardless of what else they've done, I don't know whether they lived up to some of the comments that were made from players on the team. I think they might be better, right, than they were a year ago. But if some of that was, hey, we need more help and we need this and that, they didn't go out there and they didn't participate really in the Shohei Otani
1: sweepstakes. They didn't trade for Juan Soto. Do you have to address this? I think it's
2: a much easier task for Scott than it is for management. I think for a John Stanton, when he comes down to spring training and he's around, right, in the ownership But I don't group know and, that it matters to, to an owner. They're just like, yeah, all right, whatever. The guys don't like me. I guess. I guess. But I think for a Scott, I think it's going to be that much easier mantra, find a way. And we're going to find a way. And if Mitch Haniger was a big deal for Jerry, and Jerry kind of even hinted at that when he joined us a couple weeks ago or mm-hmm. whenever that was that, yeah, man, he's he's an important one for me because he wanted to be here. He wanted to come back. When we kind of reached out and made this deal, we took the temperature, and, you know, he's one of those guys, and we see the value of that with the other team in town, right? When Bobby Wagner goes away, when guys go away and they come back, it's like, hey, hey, boys, grass ain't always greener, man. Dave, it's an interesting question when you're thinking about it. Um, If you're Scott, though, do you... Do you even bring up? What, uh, do you even bring up last year? Do you, do you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you I know, kid, I kid.
0: You're a very, <laughs> very
2: underrated as far as your go. I'm joking, uh, but in all seriousness, if do, you, I guess you have to address it, right? Do you, do you have to go to, look? Look, guys, I know you're you're you were voicing your displeasure with what this team did. Last year, Cal, JP, Logan, everybody supported that statement that Cal made. So do you have? Do you think you go in and acknowledge that or do you just say, hey, guys, this is who we are. We're starting fresh. This is a team, you know, that's capable of doing a lot. If every one of you play to your potential and we're together and we're cohesive here, we're going to get to where we need to go. We can't worry about what did or didn't happen last year. This is about us in this room right now.
0: That. Yes, that's what happens. I I just, I can hear, you know, Scott just saying, hey, let it go. It's last year. It's, let's go. I mean, there was a a couple of different things, like the Kirby thing, and then, you know, there was the Cal Raleigh thing, and then JP kind of supported him, but I didn't think that there was an inordinate amount of, I mean, I thought when, when Cal Raleigh came out at the end of the season and said that, I, I think almost everybody was like, somebody needed to say that. Yeah. I mean,
2: I and thought everybody backed him in there. That, that yeah. was vocal. I mean, JP, Logan, Ty France, they all were like, "Yeah, he didn't say anything wrong."
0: And and the fans too, I think, really oh, yeah. appreciate. I mean, I think he cemented himself as you know one of the one of the best and most you know loved athletes in Seattle. Cal Raleigh did so. Yeah, I think I feel like Scott is very much a, a player guy. You know, he he knows his guys, and you know, getting to know Scott over the years, he's. He's a very good dude. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think he he cares about the right things, and he understands what should be addressed, what shouldn't. And if I'm him, him, and I feel like that's kind of what we're going to hear from him or the team's going to hear from him, is that this is a different year, man. And we're going to go out, same approach, and – uh, we don't need to talk about any of that stuff that happened last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, basically, it's out of their control. Nobody in that in that clubhouse has any say in who's there, who's not, how much money they spend. Scott certainly has no say in how much money they spend, what the budget is. Mm-hmm. It's his job to make it work. We gave you the ingredients. Now go ahead and make the dish. You know, mm-hmm. essentially, that's up to Scott. It's so we'll, we'll we'll see what he can do. Hopefully, everybody can stay healthy. I just I I would love to see this team get a good run and see what who they truly are. At, at full strength. And I know that that's a lot to ask. It just doesn't happen, especially in a hundred and sixty-two game season. But maybe just a good stretch. Like what does it look like when Mitch Hanniger's healthy, Mitch Garver's healthy, Luke Rayleigh's healthy, Polanco's healthy? There's just a good stretch. What have, what are we what are we seeing here? You know, because I, I feel like invariably there's going to be those, well, Mitch is out for a couple. Of, either of the Mitches are out for, you know, a five, ten-game stretch or maybe, you know, Polanco's out for a few games. It's just part of how it goes, especially with those guys.
0: What do you think is a reasonable amount of time to, as far as your rotation goes? You know, and maybe you have six guys, but let's say you have five guys. What's mm-hmm. what's What should most MLB, what's normal as far as injuries, to you know it seems like one guy goes down maybe another guy misses a month or two or or three is that kind of characterize you know as far as injuries go because obviously the mariners very lucky not last year but the year before, the year before
2: they didn't miss a start not a
0: single one no you kind of knew something was gonna happen oh we right we there.
2: all <laughs> talked about it. like this is awesome but this is not how it goes This it's just know, not how it goes well and look they they you
0: know, they missed uh, Robbie Ray. How many How many did he – I'm trying to remember when that happened. It was fairly early on, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was very early. It yeah. was uh, – so, I don't think it was 24 pitches James Paxton early. No, not that uh, early. But uh, let me look at it now that you say that because I can't remember. I mean, he was just a non-factor almost out of the gates. I think it was like the
1: third inning. Was it the third right. inning? It was somewhere okay. in that. Oh, really? First three innings. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. it was the first game, but it was yeah. – uh, yeah, I knew he lasted longer than Paxton. Paxton, that will always stick with me. Twenty-four pitches. Oh
0: man, he he lasted twice as long.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. you got you almost got your money's worth last year. Yeah, <sighs> that was that was rough, man. Yeah, Those are going.
0: Oh, I think it was pretty early on. Well, it was the first game.
2: Yeah, 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 that's that's <laughs> not good. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then you lost Marco, and you, yeah. yeah, and it's just you know, uh, who and uh, did didn't Miller miss some time blister on his finger? Wasn't that? Yeah, was that Miller? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: that was crazy because. That derailed the uh the good start against the Rays, then ultimately led to maybe rock bottom. Yeah. They got fifteen runs put up on him on that Friday night. Yeah. He had like a perfect game going. Blister comes up and then no.
2: Yeah. 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 So it's uh, yeah. Last year they they you know all the good karma they had the year before it all reverted back last mm-hmm. year in terms of just availability and health. All right. So uh, moving on to the last one here. This one comes courtesy of Brock and Salk and they were or, or excuse me, Bump and Stacy. Yesterday they were talking about. Jamal Adams, and he's going to be a big topic. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see. But they were talking about whether there's a way for Adams to excel in the Seahawks defense with Mike McDonald there.
4: Can you make the case for keeping Jamal Adams because he can thrive in a Mike McDonald defense? Brady Henderson joined us saying he doesn't really see a world where Jamal Adams is on the roster in his current contract. And yet, what has changed since then is you have this defensive mastermind and someone who has the potential to be a first-team all-pro defensive player. Bump, that is our challenge. And by us, I mean
2: you.
3: Jamal Adams, the last two seasons, he's only played in 10 games. Zero sacks in those 10 games. Seven tackles for loss in those 10 games. And three quarterback hits. If you if you switch up the contract and, he, and you find a way to get him on the field, I think who he is at his best is perfect for what Mike McDonald wants to do. You look at... The safety play in the Baltimore Ravens defense last year. You got Hamilton, who played 80% of the snaps, strong safety. Geno Stone, another safety, 82% of the snaps. Then you have Brandon Stevens, another safety, 93% of the snaps. And then you have Marcus Williams, free safety, 54% of the snaps. You got 80, 82, and 93. He's going to play with three safeties out there. Now, last year, he gave up one touchdown to a tight end, and it was in the AFC Championship game to Travis Kelsey. That's not what Jamal Adams does. He's not a guy who's going to cover the tight end and take him out the game, but he is a guy who can roll down in the box. So I'm just looking at the way they rotate their safeties, the way they match it with defenses, a healthy Jamal Adams can definitely be useful in this defense. The question is, is he going to be healthy?
2: It's like the Mariners we just talked about. If Mitch Hanniger and Mitch Garver and Polanco and all these guys can stay healthy, then you project to be this kind of team. Now you look at the defense of the Seahawks and say, well, if Jamal Adams can be healthy, and maybe he will with the extra time off and more healing, and maybe he can be closer to 100% this year. What do you think of that? He becomes a useful piece, he becomes a productive, impactful piece, maybe more as a linebacker, a guy playing up in the box, or do you look at it and go, I just it's not gonna happen.
0: The uh, the only question I have is is he gonna be healthy or not? That that's the only question. This guy can play. I don't care. And I'm not doing that just to uh, aggravate the textures. Because you know people are like, oh, he's a bum, and it didn't work out, and how can you say this? And they traded away all this. Well, when they traded away, they didn't know he's going to get hurt. Okay, let's just you know that should be the most obvious thing that you should realize. But you also should should take into account the fact that in 2020, he played his tail off. And he only played in 12 games in that that season. And that's was that back when we were still playing 16. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, yeah, he'd knock down passes. I mean, he's good at that.
2: <laughs> Knocking passes Hands, down. face, whatever not, he needs.
0: Not great as far as <laughs> interceptions go. But but if you go and look at, like, Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a really good safety for for Pittsburgh, he has a ton of plays on the ball and interceptions. But yeah, I don't think he has a sack. And he's not one of those guys that's used that way. So, I mean, those two are both safeties. But you, if you compare them, they're totally different players. Right. But um, if, if Jamal Adams is healthy... He can be a huge part of this. And I, I couldn't, you know, if that's the case, I'm going to be like, I can't wait to see what they what they do with him, what Mike McDonald does with uh, Jamal Adams. I mean, they kind of just-
2: have to, though, right? Don't they have to figure out a way to make him work just looking at the, the dead cap number attached to him? It's not as easy as just going, just get him out of here, release him. Well, th- that's really punitive. That really crushes their salary cap. So, well, you, and you're not only like, that, we got to find a way to make it work.
0: Yeah. And not only that, you got to get him on the field. I mean, look, yeah. he just needs to be healthy. So, and I, what's the number if they, you know, if they cut him was 20, uh, injured? What or, was it,
2: 21 million, something like that? Yeah. $21, $23 million dead cap. I'll have to go to Slow Track and check it out. But yeah, I mean, it's a big number.
0: Yeah. It, and that. Yeah, that's going to waste a lot of cap space for you. It's going to make
2: it a lot less flexible. They don't have the luxury of saying, ah, yeah, we got so much room under the cap, we can absorb this. No, you don't.
0: But, uh, you know, my way of thinking in this is just that um, if he is healthy, then I think he's going to be a tremendous asset. And I feel like the way he plays, Mike McDonald's going to look at him and go, that guy – Absolutely fits in my system. He's, you know, he's what we need, you know, and he he even could play linebacker. He becomes more that type of player. Yeah, where he's up in the box. I think so. I think I think absolutely he can. So you know, and look, we we had no problem putting Witherspoon up in the box. He yeah. was taking on linemen, you know. Uh,
2: he's, he's a lot smaller than Jamal.
0: Yeah, Kobe Bryant, same thing. I mean, and this guy's built like basically. He's built like a college linebacker, right? He's 6'2", 215 pounds. Yeah. I mean, he he can – I just – the way the guy plays is exactly what you see from the Raven defense. They just fly around the field. And, you know, but look, this – that thigh injury, that concerns me a lot. Like, if you ask me, I'm I'm not sure he makes it back this year. It it sounds like that is that bad. Mm. And – You know, that's that's what worries me, but that's the only thing that worries me. Yeah. Only thing I I I don't I don't have any hesitation about whether or not this guy can play.
2: All right, coming up, we've got a lot more to discuss about the NFL honors, and we'll roll the tape on it. Coming up next with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710.
3: Let's roll the tape. Your in-depth breakdown of the Seahawks from
5: former linebacker Dave Wyman.
2: Time to roll the tape here. Hit a couple of different topics. Let's start here, Dave. Christian McCaffrey, does winning the Offensive Player of the Year, which he did last night, change anything for the future of the running back position?
0: Yeah, I thought maybe that would be the case. I'm looking at Christian McCaffrey's um, numbers from early on. Like He signed the big deal in Carolina after being a pro bowler. Played in 10 games. (laughs) <laughs> 10 games in 2 years. And then, you know, he he played a little bit with uh, with Carolina before he got traded, but I'm I'm looking at the the over the history of the award and there's been a fair number of running backs. You know, Derrick Henry in 2020, uh, Michael Thomas in 2019, Todd Gurley in 2017, uh, DeMarco Murray back in 14. So, you look at that's uh, I think it's like 6 out of the last 12 our running backs and the MVPs and I think if it hasn't if that hasn't had an effect on what running backs are getting paid now it's it's probably not going to I mean maybe this one time Christian McCaffrey but I was like hey that might be a big case but then you go back and look at history and go well obviously it's I mean the last 2 years you've had receivers but 2020 was Derrick Henry yeah and that was where he he didn't miss a game I don't think so yeah, just um, it, it's mystifying to me. I guess it's just something to think about. I don't really have an answer for it, other than you, running backs. If you just look at their their health and their history, they break down. It's very few. I mean, the the ones that we talk about all the time, because there's there's lots of guys that you you look at their um, you look at their careers and see like they're they're relatively healthy. I mean, most other positions, but when you look at at running backs, just not the case. So, yeah. some are
2: the slow decline, right? You see, like the yards per carry average, just kind of each year dip more yeah. and more and more. They become less impactful. Some, that's a very steep drop. They're right at the top, and then all of a sudden, wait, what happened to that guy? Right. What happened to Priest Holmes? Where'd he go? Mm-hmm. Where did hey. you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and ultimately, uh, GMs and coaches are just not going to want to—they're going to say, hey, let's do it by a platoon type of deal. Let's get—and the Seahawks have the makings of that, and they have two young guys that I think uh, are on the verge. Uh, Did you see, by the way, Charbonnet had an angry run last night? He was there with either his wife or his girlfriend because, you know, they were panning the crowd, and I'm like, I don't see any Seahawks. Oh! there's zach charbonnet mm. and so one of the you missed this part which i, th- I
2: missed everything but the mvp dave yeah. <laughs> that's the well, only thing i saw i was gonna
0: say the who's the clown from um nfl network that does the angry run the guy that you don't like or oh that's uh, on, uh, what's that guy yeah, yeah kyle. who you
1: talk about a, a lot for not liking
0: who kyle brant who me yeah no, I don't mind him. Oh, okay. Dave likes him. I don't. Oh, okay. I thought you didn't yeah. like him at first. Yeah, you
2: never hear me talk about him, Lefko. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, you're not listening. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that they had uh, the one where it was actually he steps out of bounds before he goes into the into the end zone but he actually bowls somebody over and uh yeah so it was nice seeing him there but um but yeah i think they have two young guys that you know are going to be on their rookie contract for a while but i i don't think that that's going to change for running backs and you know what it sucks it really does for them they're they're not getting what they what i think that the value that they bring but that's it Obviously, that's the market, and I don't think Christian McCaffrey getting the uh, MVP offensively is going to be anything that's going to change it.
2: All right. So, which awards from the NFL honors do you disagree with most? I think I think the one this year is it's somewhere. It's obviously
0: um, has to do with Devin Witherspoon. You know, I at least if he finished second. Right, I mean that fourth, the, Dave. Fourth. The the other one I was on, uh, the other one I, I really disagreed with was the um, the moment of the year, and I just the a, C D Lamb one. Yeah, C D Lamb won that one. There was actually another couple plays, the punt return for the Jets when the very first game when Aaron Rodgers blows out his calf, um, and then Kyle, who's the the safety for um, for the the Ravens keep wanting to say Cal Tucker, <laughs> but anyway, he jumps up, knocks the the ball and uh, down, catches it, scores a touchdown. That was pretty good, but why wasn't it even in there? It wasn't even a candidate for Devin Witherspoon. His return of, Mike says, 97. I thought it was 87 yards. 97-yard mm-hmm.
2: touchdown He's return. He's 10 yards better than we imagined.
0: Yeah, and not only that, if you watch that return, he cuts it all the way back. You know what's kind of funny is When he cuts it back, he changes the ball to the outside arm when he cuts Mm -hmm. back. And then he was doing this weird, like, waving thing with his right arm to kind of get him on track, you know? I just thought it was such a dynamic play. And for a rookie, and the second he got it, it was like somebody shot electricity into his butt. He just took off like (laughs) he was on fire, man. And, yeah, that one I think is probably the one that bothered me the most, that they didn't even have him in there. He wasn't even—he wasn't even close. I mean, at least in the other one, he, you know, was what fourth.
2: I, yeah. I think, but fourth. To me, yeah, that annoys me.
0: One of those two, I think, is the most. And you know, I think a little bit more outrage maybe this year than last year, just because this guy is really good. Reek Woolen was
2: kind of a real
0: surprise. We yeah. Didn't fifth know. rounder
2: out of nowhere. Yeah. So that's he a was fifth. Kobe Turner.
0: Yeah. Exactly, and that's a fifth rounder. This is the number five pick. And, you know, I know that uh, the linebacker from, from Houston had, you know, he had probably, you know, he was picked higher and probably a lot more reputation. Will
2: Anderson, which obviously he... went Two, two spots higher, right? He was number three. I yeah. think they went Stroud, Anderson. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, back to back. But in, And also, you look at
0: the, the number of snaps. It just doesn't, to me, it doesn't add up.
2: All right, we touched on this earlier. Why is the notion of fixing an NFL game, much less a season, so pathetically absurd? I think that what you have here is
0: not people necessarily that hate football, but they don't know enough about football, and they see that Super Bowl is su- the Super Bowl is such a huge event and they want to be part of it. And so I, every magazine or TV station or whatever is sending their reporters, and a lot of them might not know. And I, I compared it earlier to the the gal that was asking uh, Tampa, the Tampa Bay coaches um, what how you can going to handle the cold in an indoor stadium. Mm-hmm. She didn't really know any better. What would you have to do to fix a game in the NFL? We're taking the, the officials out of it, right? I mean, they – that it, it couldn't be because they're getting scrutinized and they're getting calls overturned. Mm-hmm. You know, if they do something that's so egregious, uh, it's going to be noticed by the NFL. Yeah, you got multiple cameras, every angle, everything, yeah. And especially, you know, in the playoff games, and I don't know if they're talking about the entire season, which would be even more difficult Uh, But, yeah, they have more cameras on these playoff because you you talk to some of the people like Mark Schlereth, you know, those regular season games. I'm just throwing a number out there. I think it's like six or seven cameras that they have. But like at the Super Bowl, there's like 12 or 15, you know, every I thought it was even more than that. It could be. Yeah, I'm I'm just throwing numbers out there, but I'm just it's like twice as much. So there's there's that. And and then also just (laughs) why does the NFL need more money? The NFL really doesn't need that much more money. They, I know that I joke about them taking over the world, starting their own government, and things like that. But um, <laughs> their own country, yeah. <laughs> but
2: um, yes, this is NFL land. Yeah. President <laughs> President Roger Goodell.
0: In In order to get in, you have to choose a team yeah. that you're affiliated yeah. with. Yeah,
2: and that'll be the state you live in, or yeah. something. That'll be yeah. It, it's it's oh man, it's madness. This is a a behemoth. I mean, it's it's. You know, people have been predicting the demise of the NFL. They're just getting too bloated and hogs get slaughtered, whatever that saying is. and They just keep growing. Ratings get bigger. Attendance keeps growing. Yeah. Interest keeps growing. No matter what they do, it's big. Right. It's just. Well, I don't and, know.
0: and I've heard people say, you know, trees don't grow to the sky. Well, yes, yes, they do. <laughs> this, this one's
2: uh, the magic beanstalk. Jack and the magic yeah. beanstalk is what the NFL is because it's growing. It's. It's unbelievable what the, what this league has been and how they continue just to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the, the idea they would risk that for a team because yeah. they want to make some sort of political statement. Use your head, man. Stop it. Well, and especially,
0: Stop. Uh, I think, uh, especially if you are trying to say that, uh, that you know, that, that's the one thing that would kill the NFL. We talked about what would kill it if is it somebody died on the field. Um, you know, what could. Possibly hurt their reputation, and it would be that. It would be if the games were rigged, if it was rigged, oh, yeah, they they threw a game absolutely. And so, why would you do that? Why would you take down the integrity
2: of that just for you know, yeah, they're not going to kill the golden goose for any team, any individual player, any individual message. No, 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 there's way, way too much at stake. It's funny that professional NFL player Dave Wyman is the one railing against this, though. Isn't that just what you would want us to think, Dave? You think it's a misdirection on his part? Oh, that I'm I think fi- Dave's an agent. Oh, or you think, think I'm Dave's fixing? I'm, I'm in on the fix? Yeah, you, you're employed by the NFL to tell everybody there's no way, there's no way. You're, you're running counterintelligence on this. You're trying to distract us from the truth. What
1: would
0: I do to throw the game?
1: Intercept Dan Marino and then get tackled by him?
0: Yeah. I don't think that's really that funny, Mike. <laughs>
1: Because normally someone should have been able to take it back all the way and not oh. get tackled by a quarterback. I'm
0: all right, like... you know what? Everybody,
2: send your mean texts <laughs> into Mike Lefko. Direct them at Mike uh. Lefko. <laughs> 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. We'll do that in about an hour from now. But coming up, we're going to hear a little bit more about the Seahawks' new defensive coordinator, Adam Durde. When we sweep the dial, that is coming up next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
3: Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial
5: every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Oh, Matt's
1: back here trying to tell me the wrong ways to say uh, Aiden Durday. So uh, he got in my head now. I almost, I almost dropped Aiden. that. Adele Dazeem. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm saying it right anymore. But uh, the new Seahawks defensive coordinator, <laughs> he was briefly featured on Hard Knocks in 2021 during uh, the Cowboys, and they are featured on there. And uh, this is kind of his mic'd up and segment about him.
3: Two minutes, third down, games on the f- line. I listen to him, he sounds like Winston Churchill. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> the Londoner gets his first start alongside Ryan Myers and Howard Clark.
1: Played in NFL Europe for, I think it was five years.
2: Adam Durday, the Londoner, will be credited with the tackle.
1: Played in NFL Europe and then got to be on practice squad for two years in the NFL. So with the Chiefs and the Panthers. And then after that,
3: Dude, don't fade away from
1: that. Eh? I started coaching.
3: you fading away.
2: It only sounds like Dirty's a long way from home. Truth is, he was born for football. And he's paid his dues. Starting as an intern with the Cowboys, then moving on to a stint with the Falcons. Now the man from England is a key part of America's team.
3: 7H goes in. If I call rush seven H, what is Q thinking? Is it a run or a pass? Pass, we know that. You said that with an English accent. You did How do you
2: think that's gonna go over in the uh in the meetings with the players? It's gonna take them a bit they're gonna be going, wait, what'd you say? I told you I have a hard time with English accents. This isn't that bad. Yeah, it's not that over the top.
0: This is kind of like pass. It's a pass. Is it a, runner it's or a, a pass? run
2: or pass? Yeah, he's uh, a. There, there's no. Uh, there's no subtitles in those rooms, Dave. No, They're gonna, he's going to have to speak slower, enunciate, <laughs> or he's going to see a lot of confused looks. It's it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I assume he's a great coach. If, if uh, Mike McDonald wanted him there, then I'll trust him.
5: Yeah,
0: I, I think it, it, it's uh, it's an interesting hire. I mean, I, I think it's a lot of these are going to be <laughs> very. Uh, I, I think kind of, I don't want to say head-scratching, but like, where'd this guy come from? And then, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be great explanations of this guy. I, The guy who's picking him, well, and I, I'm sure John Schneider's involved too, I sure was impressed with, with McDonald and, and what he said and how he talked about installing defenses and, you know, what would he say, something about pushing the edge or he had some phrase that... You know, talked about mastering the defense and then layering in all of the different complexities uh, slowly as you get it. I mean, I just feel like this guy says all the right things. So hopefully he's hiring guys that are like minded. Sweeping the
1: dial. Drew Brees was out at Radio Row today and he was on NBC Sports with Mike Florio and Chris Sims now, this was kind of interesting, but he didn't seem too surprised that the Russell Wilson and Sean Payton pairing didn't work out.
5: Look, it kind of it kind of played out the way I thought it would, honestly. Look, I think Russell has a skill set, and I think Russell is still going to be able to go and have a great you know, rest of his career right. um, elsewhere. As I watched them play this year, it, it didn't feel like the timing, the rhythm, the tempo was that I'm used to seeing right. in, a, in a Sean Payton offense. Right. And I know those are the hallmarks of the offense. That's the standard that that has been set. Right. And so, look, I don't know the inner workings I don't know what's happened behind the scenes or anything else but I know that look they've got a talented roster yeah they'll continue to build that they've got an ownership group that's going to provide whatever resources they need for Sean Payton to to win and I know this Sean is an excellent communicator and he is an excellent orchestrator of like here's what we need to win here's the culture here's the standard of excellence and now it's plugging the pieces in place to get that done
2: but I wonder why he wasn't surprised he's saying the timing seemed weird and I guess is that is that Russell he's implying I don't I don't really know what he's saying there I mean, when he says I don't really know what happened behind the scenes I'm gonna bet you do I'm gonna bet he has conversations with a lot of people maybe one of them being Sean Payton himself yeah. that have, got a pretty clear picture of whatever the issues were behind the scenes. Oh, but. yeah. I, that,
0: I would love to hear that that phone conversation. Yeah. You know, just like we were talking about, it would be awesome to be a fly on the wall, whether it's during the draft or um, when they're picking their assistants or, mm-hmm. you know, what process they were going through with these coaches. Do they
2: sit there for the interviews?
0: Yeah. I, I think Sean Payton probably uh is pretty good friends with drew Brees. that they're pretty tight and it, it's just ironic again because russ i think that was the one guy he really wanted as a as a head coach and now where did he
2: play this year
3: not this coming
2: either. season who's that russ where do you think he plays uh, this coming season no idea so there's all these rumors about him going to the raiders i don't know if there's anything to it but
0: it was on his list originally chicago was too
2: yeah, but they got the number one overall pick that they'll use on yeah. like Caleb Williams. So I don't know. That's a it's a weird thing, and my my opinion of uh, Sean Payton kind of kind of changed it, since his time in in Denver.
0: Yeah, I get that he was frustrated and everything. I just I hate seeing that on the sidelines. I, I feel like Russ should have yelled back at him or something because that that's just that's just ridiculous. You know, it's almost like bullying. You know, and yeah. I know they're grown men and they're NFL players, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with doing that.
3: Sweeping the dial.
1: This has kind of been a head scratching move in the college ranks. Uh, Chip Kelly leaving the head coaching spot at UCLA to become the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. And Pete Thamel, ESPN senior college football writer, uh, kind of broke down what happened. Yes. Now it was quick work by Ohio State. Uh, Ryan Day is in the process of hiring Chip Kelly, who's already resigned from UCLA and is expected to go become the Ohio State offensive coordinator. Day and Chip Kelly go way back, all the way back to New Hampshire. Uh, they've known each other since before Day was in college. Day played for Chip Kelly when Chip was the offensive coordinator for Sean McDonnell at UNH. Ryan Day was a star quarterback there. Day obviously was the uh, an assistant coach for Chip Kelly at two NFL stops at the Eagles and the 49ers. I mean, they have deep, deep ties, and Chip Kelly wants to go call plays again. Ryan Day doesn't want to call plays anymore. Seems like a pretty good fit, especially with that loaded Ohio State roster.
0: There goes that theory that he was fleeing to the NFL.
2: Yeah, um, he, he was certainly looking at that avenue, taking interviews, I guess, but what, what kind of pay cut you think he took, if at all? I don't I, know. Why, why did he leave UCLA? Was it
0: so he resigned million. there.
2: So what, what? What forced that?
0: Maybe it's being the head guy. He didn't want to. Didn't want to have to deal with all of the, you know, transfer portal stuff and everything. Somebody put it like it's like free agency in the NFL, except everybody's eligible. <laughs> yeah. You know. And then you've got recruiting. Maybe he just wants to call call defenses
2: and not be involved. He's like, I've made my millions. I'm, I'm yeah. f- financially secure. Let me just do my thing, call and plays, so not worry about all this other stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: If that's if that's the case, whatever makes it, it's just, you know, typically these guys are looking for that that next step up, whether it's a better head coaching job than UCLA or it's not often you see somebody, you know, willfully say, yeah, I'm going to leave this position, take a step back, and be a coordinator. So that's, that's a little different, but okay. Sweeping the dial is powered by Seattle University men's basketball. There is much more than just the game when it comes to the Super Bowl. We'll get into some of the... Uh, Some of the uh, prop bets get some off-the-cuff predictions. It's all coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.